Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Welcome once again to uh, Global Health, Global Beats and Soho Radio London. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Dr. Rispoa Lumbe and I want to introduce a really exciting panel we have today to discuss a really exciting topic. But just before I get to that, it would be great if I could introduce the song we just played, which is going to just set the pace for the rest of the discussion. So what you just heard was actually Getondi Nyatwa by Suffix featuring Shaw Baraka. And um, that's the pulse we have for the rest of the show. I hope you're excited and welcome. And I'm going to welcome my co-host, Evelyn, to take us through what we'll be discussing today. Thank you, Rispa. Very exciting conversation. And that song uh, was just a perfect segue to this conversation and the topic of today, which is the role of young global health leaders in transforming health systems in Africa. As you all know, Africa is at its tipping point right now with a growing continental economy and a burgeoning youth population of about 420 million young people who are aged between 15 to 35 years. But despite Africa having this young population, the youth are still disproportionately affected by various issues, including poor health indicators. And the COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated this situation. But now more than ever, the youth are hungry for change and for leadership. So how do we shift this narrative? This conversation is timely, and as Rispa mentioned, we have amazing, amazing guests. Um, my name is Evelyn Carrillo. I'll be co-hosting this with Rispa. So Rispa, you can introduce our guests. Thank you so much, Evelyn. That was the great punch we needed in terms of just introducing the topic. And today we'll be discussing the role of young global health leaders in transforming health systems in Africa. And on our panel today, we have Emmanuel Chatina. Emmanuel is a 26-year-old from Malawi who resides in Lilongwe. He's a physiotherapist who graduated from the University of Malawi in 2017 with a Bachelor of Science in Physiotherapy. Only a year later from his graduation, he founded an online clinic, Yatu, or Oklia One, in 2018. Oklia aims at eliminating barriers to healthcare through technology and is a Malawian health tech company that offers a diverse number of health services. Their main offerings are online medical consultation, home-based care, and medication delivery. 
you can reach them at the Oclea website, which is www.ocliya.com. And you can also find them on their mobile app on the Google Play Store, which was launched in June of 2021. And next, we have Dr. Marie-Claire Wangare. Marie-Claire Wangare is a young global health advocate with almost seven years of leadership in the healthcare arena. She has a passionate interest in leadership and governance and youth health and has played an active role in advocating for our universal access to youth-friendly health, sexual reproductive health and rights and mental health services. This has seen her serve in a number of national and international organizations. And just to name a few, we have the Medical Students Association of Kenya, NSAKE. We also have the International Federation of Medical Students Association, IFMSA. We have Incision and Afro-PHC. She is one of the co-founders of the Reproductive and Sexual Health Program for Kenyan Teenagers called Respect with a K. A Kenyan and Danish-run social youth program that seeks to inspire change and positively impact lives through the advocacy and promotion of the provision of quality, youth-friendly SRHR services for young people. In addition, she's a practicing medical doctor. So you can see we have a power-hosted panel. We have a power panel and we have power hosts, if I do say so myself. And um, we'll just jump right into it. Um, Evelyn, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself when you're not hosting podcasts? What do you do? Thank you, Rispa. My name is Evelyn Carijo. I'm the director of the Youth and Adolescent Hub at Amrafeld Africa. When I'm not hosting sessions and when I'm not at work, I love hiking and uh, climbing mountains. I've been to Mount Kilimanjaro conquered that highest peak in Africa. So any of you is a mountain lover, we can definitely get in touch um, when we are not at work. Uh, I love working with young people. I've been working with youth movements in Africa for the last four years uh, at Amref Health Africa. So really excited about this conversation. Thanks, Evelyn. Thank you so much. And I think we'll just jump right into the conversation. And we're going to start off this session with one song, of course. And this is Susanna by Salty Soul. Listening to Susanna by Saudi Soul, and we're just jumping into the next segment of this show, which is young people and health systems. And um, we're going to be discussing so many different things and how pe young people interact with health systems. So I think I'm going to just throw the ball right into Emmanuel's court. So, Emmanuel, um, why don't you tell us about how young people have been interacting with the healthcare system? In, in your country, where you're from, and from what you've observed as a healthcare practitioner, but also as, you know, a consumer of, 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 um, of services? So in my country, in Malawi, um, young people access um, the healthcare system in, diff in different ways. Um, for example, as a physiotherapist, I've seen um, young people interacting it, uh, with the healthcare system to obtain um, the healthcare for them as um, clients, for example, as patients. 
I've also noticed how young people um, interact with the healthcare system through um, through the way that they are like guardians. So, for example, they will come maybe with uh, uh, with uh, someone who is sick, maybe a parent or, or someone uh, older, and they'll be there as um, as a guardian. So, through my experience, I've seen that the young people accept, um, interact with the healthcare system at all levels, um, basically. So they either interact with it as um, clients or also as um, guardians. So that's uh, from my perspective in the clinical setting. But I've also seen um, uh, young people recently, that is uh, maybe from 2018, um, around the time that I started Oclia, I've seen them as also part of um, change um, in the healthcare system. So in terms of um, coming up with maybe products or uh, different innovations in healthcare. That's so exciting because I'm seeing um, actually young people have been interacting with the healthcare system in so many different ways. Um, Marie Claire, do you have anything to add? Uh, thank you so much, Rispa. I think uh, Manon has given some great insights and I really don't have much to add. Just that I think I'll say nowadays you find more and more young people are sort of like empowered, especially with matters to do with their health. So I think in contexts probably like 10 years ago where most of the times you'll probably get to your hospital to get information, you'll find young people now with the advent of technology and more increased internet coverage, more people, more young people are sort of like a bit aware with uh, probably what's going on in the healthcare arena, what possible healthcare challenges you might have, courtesy of Dr. Google. So it always brings an interesting uh, perspective when you're practicing because now some sometimes you're in the seat hot seat where you have to uh, demystify some myths that have come up when young people read on the internet and sort of ensure that these young people are empowered with the right information uh, and the right uh, uh, health practices to ensure that at least the health of the community continues to be more or less a bit more accurate and evidence-based, seeing as the youth are majority of our population in our demographic, not only in Kenya, but also in the continent. Thanks so much. So I think, I think I'm starting to hear um, that there may be even be a contrast between what was previously the role of young people in, in the healthcare system compared to now. Um, so if I get you correctly, Marie-Claire, you're saying that they have a more involved role um, in, in just beyond being consumers of healthcare, but, you know, kind of even just um, improving services by really seeking quality or asking for quality or even demanding quality of services, not just for themselves, but also for, um, you know, the people who they're, they're, they're with as guardians, as Emmanuel mentioned. Is that, is that in line with what you've kind of said? Yes, 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 definitely, definitely. I think young people are really shaping the healthcare space right now and are really ensuring that the health care that we offer as healthcare practitioners is of quality standard. Um, giving a personal example, about two weeks ago, I had uh, a young uh, relative, a, a daughter, brought in her mother to our clinic at the hospital. And she was really riled up on why we don't have proper suggestion boxes system because of how she took quite some time on the queue uh, to be seen at the clinic. And she really made us review our internal systems on how we can collect suggestions from patients. Because until then, we thought, oh, maybe the suggestion box 
is a conventional way of picking suggestions. Uh, but just because she's young and she was like, you know, you could have an online platform where patients can give feedback as they're waiting on the line. And that's really now making us reconsider how we collect suggestions at the hospital. So that's just the power of the youth. They have bright ideas. They are ways of changing medicine. And I think the future is the youth. Thanks. That's, 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 that's a very powerful statement. And just circling back to you, Emmanuel, in terms of the health system and how it's designed, do you think that the health system is designed in a way that young people, but not just young people, but um, just generally that it's fit for purpose in terms of how people interact with the healthcare system? Is the design working? You just heard um, Marie Claire mention something about, you know, even just the interactions people have. How do you think that works in terms of, um, you know, people's, uh, you know, interaction with the health system? Is it designed in a way that makes sense? Is it designed for people, at least in your context and in the global, in the global field as well? Um, uh, on my side, I can say that it's not yet fully um, developed um, or fully fit for the current context, um, especially maybe in my um, locality. But I can say that it's getting there. So I'll give an example. For example, um, um, the way WHO talked about going digital, I think the full documentation was done in 2012. So um, this documentation talks about things like online clinics that was in 2012. But not all countries have um, come to to that kind of um, um, level where they are able to do a lot of things in health um, using online technologies. It's only up to now, due to COVID, that most, um, I can say, countries or most species have been like forced to adapt to um, online uh, or to digital healthcare. So the health system, as of now, it's not yet yet there, but it's going there. So that's a good thing for um, even for uh, for us, for example, like in Malawi, we are getting there. So I also give a personal example. For example, uh, like Oclia. Oclia, um, it's a, a digital healthcare um, uh, company. But coming to the policies that are here in Malawi that talk about um, the, the challenges about the online clinics, they are not there. So it's like we are trying to catch up with what WHO designed in 2012. So the only thing is that the, um, the chances there, the opportunity is there that we will be able to reach up to that level. But currently, we cannot yet say that we have arrived, but we'll get there. That's a good thing. Thank you. Um, I think that's, 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 um, that's also charging us with, with, with a very big task in terms of what we need to start considering um, when we're looking at making healthcare systems better for our people. Um, and and that's a very tall order for us. There's a lot we need to do, not just as, I mean, I don't quite consider myself a young person, but in terms of just us as a society, we need to really look internally about um, how we design our healthcare systems and, and how we make them fit for purpose. So I, I, I want to just also flip the question um, um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go against the grain and, and even ask, Evelyn, if there's any any other questions she thinks we could, which could highlight some of the key issues that you've experienced in your very your your illustrious career as well, 
um, anything else you want to ask around, you know, just young people and how they interact with the healthcare system, what kind of needs do they have? And, and um, yeah. Great, very exciting conversation. And I like what uh, has been put forward around the issue of accountability, keeping our leaders committed to the promises they've made, even right at the health systems level and within health facilities. One thing I've noted, though, about uh, social accountability within the healthcare system is that it's very difficult in some societies and in some levels of leadership because policymakers are not that transparent sometimes. And you all know right now in most of our countries, we're dealing with uh, you know, the downside of having leaders who may not be transparent. We, we're dealing with pilferage of resources. So I'm just wondering, Marie-Claire and Emmanuel, what can we do to change this? And how can we challenge this narrative? How can we create that space where young people still believe and trust in leaders and are able to really um, ensure there's accountability, especially for resources? We've seen what's happening with COVID-19. We've seen what's happening with, you know, vaccine inequity. Um, a lot of pilferage of resources, including donations. How can we change this? And what can we do to make sure that? Uh, you know, young people are able to keep our leaders accountable. Uh, starting with you, Marie-Claire, then Emmanuel, briefly. Thank you so much for that fantastic question, Evelyn. I think first things first, as young people, we need to ensure that we have our facts in order, that we have the right information, and that we are empowered with uh, the right tools as we advocate for improvements in our healthcare system. Uh, many a times you find uh, sometimes youth are not taken seriously because people think we don't know a lot, they think we are young. But just by knowing the basic tenets, maybe even a, sim a simple document like your constitution and knowing your rights and knowing probably in this particular year the health budget was X percentage and this is how it affects me as a young person. When you have that knowledge, when now you advocate for things, uh, it can even just be as simple as your grassroots level. You, for me, always believe in empowering your neighbor with the knowledge because as one youth advocate, yes, you can make noise, but that's just like a dip in the ocean. But if you can empower, let's say, your group of five friends with the information that you have and the five of you empower five other people with the same information and together the 25 of you make noise on healthcare reforms, that forms a greater impact than just you as Marie-Claire with your information on the gaps in the healthcare system trying to push for a change. So those are one of some of the steps I think people can take uh, into account, especially at the primary healthcare level. It's never, I think most times in advocacy, people think it's all about going to probably your national government. But I always believe there's this African saying that says little by little uh, fills the pot if you start at your grassroots level, your local dispensary and improving it, then with time, even your national facilities will get that change that it needs. And in the long run, you'll change your whole national healthcare system. Thank you. Fantastic. Emmanuel, any thoughts from you? Uh, much has been said by Marie, but I can just add a little bit. I think it also comes down to actually to demand accountability. It's a lot of work, I can say. I've also um, 
done my part, but it's a lot of work. But it's something which can be done and which is supposed to be done, actually. So I think for me, it's um, about rising up with the challenge. So by rising up with the challenge, I mean that as a youth, we have to take up positions that are there, for example, at the administrative level. So those positions might be there, or sometimes they might be there and they are taken up by someone who um, maybe who's not doing a good job. So the youth um, are supposed to take up that position, or they can lobby for such positions. So in that way, I think we can have that kind of influence where we can um, demand the kind of accountability to someone at the higher level. And I was also thinking about the second way which we can also um, demand that, that kind of accountability of leaders. It's by studying also our own initiatives. So as Marie has said, um, you can study your own initiative and through that initiative, you can try to push that kind of agenda where you're going to um, find that kind of accountability or where you're going to uh, see that kind of change that you are um, uh, you want to see. So, for example, like the way that we are doing at Opia, we are sitting um, in unknown waters, I can put it in that way. So, in that way, we want to see a certain change. So, that change, we are using our own initiative to push for that change. So, I think through these two ways, um, we can have that kind of accountability uh, with the leaders. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Manuel. And I hear you when you say that young people should rise up. Young people should work as coalitions. I hear what Mary Clay is saying. You know, young people should start even at grassroots level. And so with that, we will take a break as we listen to the next uh, very exciting song. And you all know this person because they trended last year with the famous Jerusalem dance. But for today, we're not going to listen to that. We'll listen to Kinisela and then move into the next segment, which will be really light and we'll be really talking about the personal career journeys of our amazing guests, Marie-Claire and Emmanuel. So before that, let's enjoy some music. was the great song Kinisela by Master KG. We'll now move on to the next section of this great discussion. And we are looking at the personal journey. One minute, sorry. Where am I? <laughs> okay, I'll just start that again. And that was uh, the great song Kinisela by Master KG. We'll now move on to the next uh, section of this discussion. Marie-Claire and Emmanuel, you're both trailblazers in your space, you know, as practitioners, as innovators. And young people listening out there will want to get to know how to advance their leadership roles and become, you know, great influencers as you have been. So I'm going to start with you, Marie-Claire. Tell us about your personal journey. What's your typical day? What's a typical day in Marie-Claire's life? We'd like to hear a bit about that. Uh, thank you, Evelyn, uh, for that fantastic question. Um, so for me, my leadership journey, I think I'll always say, my, especially my journey with respect, it sort of began as a beautiful accident, uh, so to speak. So um, when I was in medical school, I was the class representative of my medical school class. 
and when you're the class representative all these student organizations reach out to you and give tell you we want you to give to announce this opportunity to your colleagues and one of the announcements was just was about uh, an international event through the Medical Student Association of Kenya. So I remember when the official from Musake came to class and uh, told me to give that particular announcement, I was curious what's Musake all about. Um, and they invited me to at least listen in on, like they had a small like debrief session on a project for, this, the announcement was on a project on sign language. So I went and I learned sign language and I was like, wow, so there's an organization that teaches you sign language and has all these international opportunities. And gradually I just got immersed with the national activities of Msake and on an international level, IFMC, and they empowered me with a lot of skills and knowledge to improve myself as a leader and as a global health advocate. And I think the rest I say is history. Um, so now, like currently today, I am a healthcare worker uh, in a hospital one hour away from Nairobi in Kiambu. It's, the town is called Kiambu. And for me, at least the beauty of my exposure to being a student leader up to now being a healthcare worker is I see the importance of one, advocating for change, but on the reverse side, I see when there's a gap in the healthcare system, say at my hospital level, I always think of, more to, so to speak, the bigger picture. Okay, why is there this gap? What can be done to improve this particular gap? And how can we address the particular challenges? So from day to day, um, I encounter patients from different walks of life because uh, I cover the pediatrics department and the oncology department. So those are actually two different age groups with their different uh, sets of diseases and their own challenges with getting healthcare. And you see how sometimes a policy can be fantastic on paper from your ministry, but when it comes to application, it really does a disservice to the patient and it makes you now try and empower your patient on how to suggest for changes in their healthcare system. Because as a doctor, you have a lot of pressure and people think that a doctor can change the whole uh, system. But patients actually forget the key component that they are the biggest stakeholders in their healthcare system and that they also have a say in the healthcare system that serves them. And I think that's just basically it for me in a nutshell. Thank you. Perfect, Marie-Claire. And I think what I really like is the fact that, you know, you actually took up additional roles uh, despite being a medical student and that's catalyzed your leadership journey. You being an influencer now in your community and within the health system. And I'm just wondering, other than challenges of, you know, the perception around doctors and the medical field, what other challenges, Marie-Claire, have you experienced during, uh, you know, your career and in your career journey? as a young person, and how have you been able to overcome that? For me, I think the biggest challenge has been this particular COVID-19 pandemic. I think the COVID-19 pandemic, coronavirus, was an, it's a new virus. It's a virus that keeps changing each day. It's not anything you are taught in medical school. So when the pandemic first started in Kenya uh, in around mid-March last year, I was currently undergoing my internship 
And at the time, um, you know, everyone thinks a doctor knows everything. And even now there's this new disease and you're like, okay, I actually don't know everything about this new disease. And a lot of panic set in. And people uh, were really looking into the healthcare system to be sort of like a buffer and to help them during this particular time. But unfortunately, the pandemic revealed the frailties of the systems that we have and how systems sometimes uh, should work for the people, but sometimes it fails. And a personal story is um, I had a classmate. We were, he used to sit like on the same row in medical school. He was working in an isolation center. Unfortunately, he got infected with COVID-19. And the very healthcare system he was serving could not help him even with, like get the standard of care that was required and even cater for his bills. And it took for a lot of us to fight and for to advocate for it, unfortunately. And the action was only taken after his demise to sort of like sort his medical bills and get him better healthcare. But as young healthcare doctors, we were like, why should we get to such a level for just our fellow healthcare worker to get the care that he needs. And we pushed and really pushed our unions and our, our doctors association to try and advocate for change. And we are not yet there, but at least the power of the young doctor was felt because it was his demise was something that really annoyed us and really made us push for changes in the system. So, yeah. Wow, very inspiring, Marie-Claire, very touching and also sad at the same time that the system that you expect to serve you, the system that you are actually serving at some point can end up failing you. And yes, COVID-19 has really revealed these iniquities. And I wonder whether this experience is the same for you, Emmanuel, in Malawi. Have you had these instances in your personal career and in your journey where you have felt that the same health system that you are serving and working for has failed you. Um, have you had those instances and what's your career been like? Yeah, so um, that's um, something which I uh, can also relate. Um, uh, on the West side, I've also seen um, cases where uh, people in the healthcare system who are working there, for example, like uh, nurses, um, maybe someone dying of COVID, I've uh, also yeah, seen that kind of um, uh, scenarios, which is very unfortunate. But also on another side, I've also seen um, where um, most people uh, who are in the healthcare system, they choose to find an alternative. They don't want to be, um, to be attended to in the same place where they're working because of the kind of um, the standards that are there. So it's also something which is, um, I can say, common as well, where the healthcare system, um, it's failing in certain places which um, are making people not to, uh, to access it in, in that way. Absolutely. And I agree with both of you that, you know, young people always rise up to the challenge and try and find solutions. And Emmanuel, when you look at that and some of the experiences that you've shared, what has been your most significant experience? What has been your turning point in your career that really made you a leader? At what point were you able to address these challenges that we are talking about, you know, that really pivoted your career? If you could share that, I think that will be fantastic. Emmanuel? 
All right. Um, so for me, it has been when I was in school, um, I think around in medical school as well, around uh, maybe my second year, I got um, I got into a program in Netherlands uh, in global health. Unfortunately, I didn't go, but um, I got that kind of um, uh, a scholarship to attend a global health uh, conference in Netherlands. So when I got that kind of um, uh, invitation, it brought to me the kind of uh, awareness as a leader. So I was able to to see how my program, which is physiotherapy, how physiotherapy fits into the whole picture of global health. So at that moment, I was able now to realize that I can do something um, as a leader, um, which is also um, which is not just only in my locality. So that was a turning point for me because I was. Um, there is this kind of awareness that came that I can do something, I think, more as a leader. So as luck would have it, um, a few years later, I came across another conference in Nairobi. This one I went. So when I went in Nairobi, um, there were a lot of people who, young people who were building, um, who were giving solutions um, in different localities um, across Africa. So some of them were also doing health. So I was able to meet those people who are doing um, solutions in health. At that moment as well, I was able to build up on my knowledge, which I had back in school um, concerning a global health um, uh, program in the Netherlands. So with that, um, I think it gave me this kind of um, platform where I was able to learn and also to appreciate that as a physiotherapist, I can do something more. I can do something uh, great. I can do something which is also um, which is on a wider scale, so to say. So that's where my uh, career in uh, global health, I can say, started. I have a plan of doing also a master's in global health, which I'm going to do later on. But that's how the whole concept um, is fitting in from school up to now. Excellent. And we really wish you all the best as you pursue that master's degree. And I can relate so much with the experiences that you're sharing. That as young people, you know, it's the opportunities that have come our way and the people who've opened doors for us that have enabled us to grow and innovate and take up leadership positions. Experiences, whether it's at work or when we're undertaking our studies, as you've mentioned, or even in conferences. And sometimes these opportunities, you know, come up uh, in the most unexpected ways. But as young people, the challenge is for us to rise up to the occasion, to identify those opportunities, but more importantly, give back to our communities and, of course, to the health system and contribute uh, to the attainment of the sustainable development goals because that's our end goal. We want to see where Africa is going to be by 2030. Emmanuel and Marie Claire, is there anything you will change in your career? And this is the last question before we move to the next segment. In one statement, when you look back, is there anything you will change when you look at your journey so far? Starting with you, Marie Claire, uh, in a minute, and then Emmanuel. I think um, I wouldn't change anything, but probably. If there's one thing I wish I could have done was probably 
been a little bit more bold and start, started my journey earlier. Um, I think, and it's something that I keep pushing, especially my my friends and colleagues who are still in medical school, is to be in, get, to be involved in initiatives that build their capacity, especially with global health advocacy. Even as if you can even start that as young as high school, that'll even be fantastic. Um, because I think the exposure you get from, especially like organizations such as uh, IFMSA, uh, it really builds you and really changes your perspective of health, especially on a global level. I think IFMSA's key uh, phrase is normally uh, think global, act local, and it really does empower you to be a global uh, leader and act, do your actions which are based to improving your communities. So, yeah, I think that'll probably be the one thing I'll change. Nice. Think global, act, act local. Emmanuel, in one minute. Uh, for me, I think uh, one thing I would have changed, I would change is um, that I would uh, I was supposed to attend that conference, which I missed in Netherlands, the Global Health one. So though I have um, experience with uh, 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 in, um, doing, for example, uh, courses in Global Health, um, online ones, um, some physical, but still, um, I, would, I would say if anyone gets a chance, for example, um, in that kind of, for example, a conference, um, something maybe in school, like um, in my case, it's better to attend those um, because they really indeed build up, as Marie said, that uh, that kind of uh, capacity building. Um, you need it. Um, so you need it, and you have to take up those chances uh, as much as you can, and uh, the earlier the better. So that's what I would have changed. Great. And I agree with both of you taking up opportunities as they come up. I think that's the only way for us young people to really make a difference in our healthcare systems. I'll ask Rispa to now take us over to the next uh, segment of this discussion. Thank you so much. And I was just paying so much attention. It was so exciting to hear everything everyone has said. And um I just just before we get started with my segment and the next section, which is also going to be quite a mouthful, um, I, I want to introduce um, a song so we can take a quick break. And in this song, we're going to be listening to Sweet Fanta Diallo by Magic System. Yeah, Magic System. Homage Alpha Blondie. Sweet, sweet. Fanta Diallo, sweet, sweet. Oh, oh, 